0: Now, all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, good day, everybody,
1: and welcome to Carolina Newsmakers. We're delighted today to have a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, animals. And we have as our guest, Kim Jansen, who is the president and CEO of the Society of the, for the Prevention of to Animals, SPCA, of Wake County. Now, don't let that... Uh, Uh, designation fool you because they also work in 59 counties across the state and all of our conversation today will involve uh, all the SPCA's and the challenges they're facing organizations that are similar across the state. Kim, thank you for being with us and uh, we appreciate very much all the work you do. How about just giving us a little bit of background on how SPCA's work how they're organized, where their funding comes from, and so forth. Just take uh, as much time as you'd like to bring us up to date on exactly how the organization works.
2: Sure, absolutely. And thank you for the invitation to join you today. I'm super excited to talk about animals, very near and dear to my heart as well. Uh Humane organizations, whether they are called uh, the local SPCA or the Humane Society of wherever, function really for the purpose of saving animal lives, specifically the lives of homeless pets uh, from their community. They are set up almost always as 5013C nonprofit organizations usually founded by uh, people who are local to the community and who want to make a difference. There are a couple of misnomers uh, that I'll I'll just jump in and and address right away. Um, And in this case, I'll use the SPCA of Wake County as an example. So we are uh, funded, as most SPCAs are, completely by private donations. Every cent of our budget comes from either adoption fees or um, the uh, generous support from people in our community. That That is really important because a lot of times our organizations get confused with municipal organizations that are funded by tax dollars. The other interesting thing that is a misnomer about these organizations is that many people think that each one is affiliated with and funded by the ASPCA, which is the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And the truth is that every SPCA is independent, completely independent from any national organization, and also completely independent from one another so the way we work together is through uh through collaboration and that's that's how we get our best work done uh i wish i could tell you exactly how many spca spcas there are across north carolina um and i i don't have that number right at my fingertips but it is a lot and there are a lot of really great people in this state doing great things for animals um most organizations really struggle to keep up with the number of animals coming in to their facilities at any given time uh, i refer to that as putting a twin size sheet on a king-size bed where the needs in our communities are so great that no one organization or even a couple of organizations working together can solve all of the problems um Traditionally, SPCA's have taken humane organizations. I'm going to refer to them as humane organizations from here on out, because that really will encompass um, the whole statewide approach. Um, Humane organizations exist to protect animals. And in the case of the SPCA of Wake County, our mission is to transform the lives of pets and people through protection care education and adoption one of the really interesting things that is happening in the world of animal welfare right now is that our approach is evolving in ways that people are just starting to learn about Um, traditionally you know the spca of wake county has been here for since 1967 and traditionally, we have taking, taken a somewhat, I'll call it reactive approach to problems of pet overpopulation. Animals come in, we treat them medically, we uh, address their behavior issues, and we adopt them out. We take them in, we adopt them out. What is happening now is that we have recognized it is so much better if we could keep animals from ever needing shelter services to begin with. So one of the things that we're focused on now is keeping pets in homes by providing families the resources they need to keep their pets in homes where they belong. So we can get to that in a little bit, but that provides um, just a very basic overview of what some of the some of the work that is happening with SPCAs and humane organizations across the state. Uh, are
1: you. You have, uh, of course, a paid staff that works uh, full-time, but you also have a large number of volunteers. Uh, what percentage of the work, uh, on average, is done by volunteers and what is done by the paid staff?
2: Well, that's really hard to quantify by a, by a percentage. What I will tell you is that we have 75 staff members and we have about 1,200 volunteers. So, on any given day, I would say, eighty five percent of the work is done by staff members because they're highly trained to do that work. And the other um the balance of that is uh, completed by volunteers. We could not do what we do every year without without the help of our volunteers. They are absolutely incredible.
1: and of course, most of the volunteers, in addition to donating their time are also, donating of their resources in most cases.
2: Exactly. Yes. So uh,
1: the, uh, you know, this is a, this is a very interesting uh, new approach that you're taking where you are. uh, And we see this in child welfare, uh, the same kind of approach that uh, organizations like the Methodist Children's Home is doing with children. It's uh, very similar.
2: Yes. Provide resources so that, so that, Kids don't have to enter the system. You're exactly right. No. Um,
1: so, so what kind of aid do you give uh, out to, to homeowners that are having trouble?
2: Well, I'll provide you some real-world examples, if I may. Okay. Um, during COVID, one of the programs that we were able to build um, – as you know, the economic realities of the pandemic were starting to hit our local community, more and more people were really struggling to keep their pets um, from a financial perspective. It was really tough. So we created a partnership with um, Meals on Wheels of Wake County. And through them, we, we created a partnership that allowed us to join forces and distribute pet food to people in need. And that partnership continues to this day and grows um, is seemingly every month. Every week we go to one of their um, one of their help distribution sites and distribute pet food and supplies to people in need.
1: Now, are you able to do that in all 59 counties? There? Because not all those counties would have Meals on Wheels, I would imagine.
2: We're not right now, but that is certainly one of the things we, we hope to do in the future. Um, one of the other ways that we help people keep their pets is another real world example is a couple of weekends ago, we did a, um, microchip, a a free microchip and vaccine clinic. And in two days time we vaccinated and or microchipped 500 pets of families who, um, who needed that service and were not economically able to afford it elsewhere. So, uh,
1: for those who might not know what a microchip is, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, a microchip is something that is implanted in right between the shoulder blades of a pet, um, that it's a, it's an electronic chip that can be scanned if your dog gets lost, if your dog or cat gets lost. And then they can use that information to find the owner. So that's wonderful because it keeps animals, lost animals, from having to enter the shelter system. So note to note to your listeners, if you ever find a lost pet, please, please, please take them to your local veterinarian and have them scanned for a microchip. It's the easiest way to reunite pets with their families.
1: So now how do you work with animal control uh, in the counties that you serve?
2: You know, what we're doing right now is we have uh, transfer partnerships with largely municipal, largely rural shelters who are really struggling to keep up with the demand in their communities. And as an example, in 2022, we took in the SPCA of Wake County, took in um, about 4,000 animals. Two thirds of those came from rural counties across the state of North Carolina, and about a third of them came from Wake County Animal Services, the tax-funded, the taxpayer-funded organization in um, in Raleigh, in Wake County. Yeah, and so what? the reason we focus on those animals in those rural municipal shelters is because they really lack the resources to deal with the number of animals coming through their doors and those are the animals that we find are most at risk for euthanasia so what we do is we transfer those animals into our care provide whatever medical care they need um, get them ready for adoption and then uh, adopt them out to folks in wake county
1: On average, how long does it take you from uh, bringing in a pet to having it ready for adoption?
2: That is such a great question, and it can vary. The truth is that as animals at the SPCA, and this is one of the things that really sets us apart, animals at the SPCA stay at the SPCA until they find an appropriate adopter. So I have seen that... Uh, take five days, I've seen it take five months, and we've seen it take um, a year and a half in some cases, but we don't give animals a, a time frame. I will tell you that once once a pet reaches our adoption floor, uh, a dog will stay maybe about 15 to 20 days, a puppy will stay less than 24 hours, And uh, cats will stay about 10 days.
1: Now, do you go beyond dogs and cats?
2: We do. We do. We take in what I call small mammals, uh, which encompasses rabbits, mice, uh, gerbils, and guinea pigs. Lots and lots of guinea pigs. We had a guinea pig come in last week that had nine babies.
1: My goodness. Well, I would. Uh, I, I, that was a throwaway question. I had no idea that you did that sort of thing. That's interesting. Our guest is Kim Jansen. She's the uh, president and CEO of the uh, SPCA uh, and uh, of not only Wake County, but of the 52, uh, 59 counties that Wake County serves. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a lot more about. Uh, uh, what to know when you're donating your pet to organizations and how to adopt dogs and cats and such. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. <laughs>
3: Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
0: We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Kim Jensen, who is the uh, president and CEO of the SPCA uh, that serves 59 counties in North Carolina. And she is speaking not only on behalf of her organization, but also all, all the other humane societies across the state of North Carolina, uh, of which there are many. And varied in their needs and opportunities. Kim, uh, just a little bit. Uh, how did you come to come to Wake County? I know you came from Wichita, I believe, right?
2: I did. I came from Wichita, Kansas. I was born and raised, born and raised there.
1: And Once what led you to uh, to this area?
2: I had been the CEO of the Kansas Humane Society for ten years, and we had done we had um, created a, a large co-located campus with our city animal control facility. And, uh, to be honest with you, after that project, I was, I was bored and I was ready for a change, ready for a new challenge. So I came here and, uh, to work for the SPCA of Wake County. And it's been one of the best decisions I made other than marrying my husband.
1: You know, I suspect that, uh, you know, having a dog or a cat or a pet of any kind becomes emotional, especially when someone has to move to a place where they can't take the animal. I'm sure this is one of the more heart-wrenching decisions that someone has to
2: make. Uh,
1: I'm sure you have a number of those that uh, come in almost every day, situations like that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, contrary to popular belief, animals are relinquished to shelters for a whole variety of reasons. Um, And usually by the time a pet owner or family uh, comes to the doors of an animal shelter, they have tried every other option at their disposal. So one common reason is behavior issues with the pet, whether that's a cat not using the litter box correctly or a dog who's chewed up the couch for the fourth time. Um, and and like you said, lifestyle changes is the the most common. It might mean, it might be because Nellie, had to go to a nursing home and can't take her pet with her it might be because uh, a couple got a divorce and they have to one of them has to move to an apartment um in those kinds of cases we do everything we can to help those families out so they can they can keep their pet a lot of times we'll help find them um pet friendly housing and with housing affordability Becoming an increasing challenge with people, um, it's it's becoming really really tough to own a pet. Um, also, with the increase in vet care, veterinary care, um, it is it is not it is not easy. It's becoming increasingly not affordable to own a pet.
1: Do you have things like uh, foster parents who take on pets uh, for a while while you are still looking?
2: We do, we do. I'm so glad you mentioned that because our foster program is awesome. Most, most shelters have some sort of a foster program. We are lucky to have almost 600 foster families who take in cats, kittens, dogs, puppies, um, pregnant guinea pigs uh, for periods, varying periods of time uh, so they can become well if they're sick so they can give birth if they're pregnant so they can have a little quiet time if they're stressed out uh those those foster families really are our heroes for sure
1: i would imagine once you're a foster parent of a dog or a cat especially dogs because they're so affectionate that it's uh, difficult for them to give them up
2: yes yes in that case our foster program becomes our satellite adoption service
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, as you said, it is expensive—not only food, but also veterinarian care, uh, because you're taking on quite a thing. You're in 59 counties. What are the different problems that you have in rural counties versus the problems that you would have in more urban
2: counties? So uh, that's that's such an astute question. Uh, Many times the problems are very similar in that there is a, I think they're just exacerbated in rural areas. So as an example, um, in rural counties, it is more difficult to find affordable vet care because it is more difficult to find veterinary care in general. Uh, Also, there is often a lack of uh, available resources You know, in in Raleigh, for instance, if you have a dog with a behavior problem, it's easy to find a trainer, fairly easy anyway, to find a trainer to go to Um, in a rural county. You know, it may be a 45 minute drive away and may not, you know, may not even be available in your county. Um, Access to emergency pet care can that is few and far between in those rural counties. Um, Access to those kinds of those kinds of services which is one of the things that the SPCA wants to help with in the future. Um, also, it is there's a growing nationwide shortage of veterinarians. And just like in human medicine, rural counties are feeling that much, much more than in metropolitan areas.
1: I've always had only one pet at a time, one dog at a time. I'm a big lab lover. But uh, when you bring a second dog in, how does the first dog usually react to that? Let's say you've had a a dog for five or six years or maybe even longer, and you bring another pet in. How do you uh, uh, find that that works out?
2: Oh, that's, uh, it depends is the answer to that. (laughs) It depends on uh, how the dogs are introduced. It depends on their temperament. It, it depends on a variety of factors. When someone is adopting a pet from us and we know there's another dog um, in in the home, we talk very specifically uh, to the adopters about how to set those dogs up for success, how to introduce them on neutral ground, how to make sure that they're set up for success in getting along. Sometimes it just takes an adjustment period um, and other times it, it takes... It takes a long time, but I think dogs are a lot more adaptable to new friends than cats are. Um, cats tend to be lone creatures, uh, and they it takes them a little while to adjust, whether it's a new dog sibling or whether it's a new cat sibling.
1: So just uh, out of curiosity, what are so, a few of the tips that you would give if you're bringing a, a new dog into a situation like that?
2: Well, the first thing I would say, I am not a pet behaviorist, nor did I sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I would say is to introduce the two dogs in a neutral environment. Don't introduce the dogs, um, you know, where one dog might already be feeling defensive of their territory. Go to a dog park, go to, you know, have take your dog out for a walk and have them meet on the sidewalk that way they're they're a lot less likely to be territorial um keep any high value toys or treats out of the equation because that can cause dogs to kind of rumble with one another um knowing the basics of dog body language can also help so you can tell when one of the dogs is getting if they're getting stressed out um being able to read the subtle signs of canine stress is is really helpful in those situations because it can help ward off any any rumbles before they get started.
1: Interesting, uh, fascinating, as a matter of fact. Uh, so, uh, so when someone gets ready to donate a dog to your organization for the various reasons that might come up, uh, what do you suggest to them of, of, as far as parting? How do they adopt when, when they're in circumstances where they really don't want to give the dog up or the cat up, what are some Mm -hmm. of the tips that you give
2: those folks? I am so glad you asked that. Um, it depends there. (laughs) Here's the thing. There is absolutely nothing black and white in the field of animal welfare. Every answer is it depends. Um many times uh, we can provide resources whether that's um, pet food or spay neuter services or wellness services uh, anything to get people over the hump it might just be a a temporary economic issue it might be a pet training issue Um, a lot of times we can help with those kinds of things so that the family can keep their pet one of the things that we started in October of 2018 is a pet helpline. And one of the most f- frequent questions that we get on that, on that pet helpline is people needing to relinquish their pets. So what that has allowed us to do is gather lots and lots of data on what kinds of things people, you know, families in our community are struggling with when it comes to to retaining their pets. And it is allowing us to build programs that provide those resources. So pet training is a really good example. We don't currently have the space to provide pet training, but we have a list of um, knowledgeable, responsible pet training professionals that we can give people to, um, to look up. We can provide some help over the phone we can provide resources so
1: One, uh, uh what is that uh, uh that number for that kind of help
2: we get about 750 calls a month uh and probably 70 percent of those are people needing to relinquish their pet
1: and i the, I, I didn't phase, phrase that question very well how about That's giving right. us the number that people can call to get that
2: Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. It is 919-772-2326.
1: And that's the help uh, pet helpline? Yes. That's a wonderful idea. That's a great idea.
2: They they can also go to our website at spcawake.org where they can fill out a form.
1: Lots of lots of ways to help. Well, it's interesting how many different kinds of ways that uh, you are working with uh, not only the uh, pet owner, but the uh, the the state and the county and the other organizations to help bring uh, this uh, these uh, terrible situations uh, under help, uh, under control. And uh, so so you get about 750 calls a month. That's interesting. Um, well, I've got lots of other questions, and I, I uh, want to get to them. I also want to talk in a, the next section, a section about the COVID-19 and the problems that that created for not only your organization, but others across the state. Um, we also want to talk about uh, any information that people might need to know about pet breeders, because in many cases, people are buying their pets from a, a breeder and uh, i think uh, you probably have a checklist of questions that you would suggest folks uh, ask or look into and then of course how do you uh the other question i want to talk about is when you find someone who has been cruel to an animal uh does that fall under you or how do you handle that kind of situation so we've got lots of other questions for kim jansen the president ceo of the SPCA of Wake County which as we said serves some 59 counties and we'll get to that right after we take time out for these messages.
3: They are our cuddlers and co-workers, per machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets, and the pets who love their people. Ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there's nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
0: Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week discussing pets and pet control is uh, Kim Jansen, who's the uh, president and CEO of the SPCA of Wake County, which, as we said, serves not only Wake County, but some 59 other counties across our state. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of things, but I want to have this uh, segment sort of to address a number of questions I've got. Uh, a lot of people buy their pets, of course, uh, they don't come to the pet, uh, they don't come to you to adopt, but they buy their pet from a pet breeder. What are some of the suggestions that you look at as far as uh, what you would ask of a breeder before you elect to buy a pet from them?
2: The absolute most important thing to ask a breeder is to is two things. One, can I see the parents? And two, can I see your facility? Responsible breeders will have no problem at all, sh- um, sharing, showing you both of those things. And, um, that is a, those are two questions that will often rule out a puppy mill. If, if, uh, if a breeder is not willing to show you their breeding facilities, that is certainly cause for concern. Um, I understand that that people and you know, people typically go to breeders because they want a very specific breed of animal. And while it's understandable, um, what a lot of people don't realize is that they can often find animals of those breeds in shelters. It might take a little bit longer. It might they might need to drive a little bit farther. But um, I will tell you that I have a golden doodle that I got from the SPCA of Wake County. Um so what that is um there are animals out there in shelters that are perfectly great pets and the other thing is that when people adopt from a shelter they're saving the lives of two animals they're they're saving the life of the animal that they adopt And they're also saving the life of the animal that is coming in to take the place of the pet that they just adopted so i try really hard not to be judgmental of people who use breeders that is um completely understandable but um certainly encourage people to go to shelters instead
1: COVID-19 turned our whole world upside down for a year uh There were some good lessons we learned from COVID-19 experiences, and of course, there are some lingering problems. What was the impact of COVID-19 on pet adoptions and the operations like yours across the
2: state? It was a very, very challenging time for for everyone across the world. Uh, From the the North Carolina perspective, in terms of animal welfare, our, prime, our first primary challenge was that because we didn't have PPE, we couldn't do spay-neuter surgeries. And because we didn't do spay-neuter surgeries for almost a year, and I say we collectively, because uh, surgeries weren't available for almost a year and a half, what we're seeing now is a huge influx of um, puppies and kittens that I believe is the result of um almost 18 months without spay neuter services um all of those all of those animals that would have would not have existed because of spay neuter now exist and they're all breeding so that is causing animal shelters now to be very very overcrowded very overrun and it's like uh animal sheltering has been set back about 8 years mm. I can
1: uh, see how that uh, I can see how that Could have happened. And I'm sure, of course, all businesses and all organizations had similar experiences did in COVID-19, one way or the other. in many cases, learned some good lessons. Were there any good lessons that you learned out of COVID-19? Yes,
2: there were. Yes. What it really one of the things that it allowed us to do is really expand our community impact services. And I mentioned in our in a previous segment that we focused a lot on providing services providing help to the people who needed it the most. So a lot of times people were were really struggling financially to keep their pets. By providing pet food and supplies, we were able to help those folks. By providing wellness services, um, we were able to help people who can't afford, couldn't afford um, basic preventative services. Uh, Really just putting ourselves out there as a resource for the community um, and having the pet helpline helped tremendously figure out what what services pet owners needed and how we could provide them. It made us um, a, lot, a lot more creative about how to uh, keep pets moving through the shelter. Um, so we, we did for 18 months, we did curbside adoptions. And we completely transformed our entire adoption process. We made it paperless. It happens primarily, all of the counseling part happens on the phone. And we streamlined the whole process so that people aren't waiting um, in line in the lobby for two hours on a weekend in order to adopt a pet. They can do all of it. They can do most of the process on the phone. They come in, they meet the pet, and we make sure it's a good match, um, and then they go home. So, uh, I think what we the 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 most wonderful thing for me is how absolutely proud I was of our team for, uh, and, and really other shelters across the state as well just did an incredible job adjusting to the new reality during COVID. And they just figured out a way. We all just figured out a way to get animals into homes.
1: The dogs uh, or cats for that matter. Do they learn to show off when they see people come in who are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. Yes i'm I'm pretty sure they can make their make their eyes water on command <laughs> 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 whatever they do it works <laughs> yeah
1: so how about how much does cuteness affect the uh, the people who select animals do they uh or or basically what what are people looking for when they look to adopt
2: well again the answer is it depends yeah, um
1: I'm sure it does yeah
2: I mean A lot of times people come into the shelter or they look on our website, website, not really knowing exactly what they want, but they have something in mind. They either they might have a personality in mind or they might want a picture like, oh, but I had this this golden retriever when I was little and I want another golden retriever or I want another dachshund or, you know, you get the idea. Uh, we take a very, very conversational approach to adoptions so that it's not an application process as much as it is helping people suss out what they're looking for in a new pet and then helping them find a pet at the SPCA that matches what they're looking for. Um, and people are often surprised which which uh, which animals they end up leaving with. Like this isn't what I imagined leaving with at all. But, um, but because we've had those conversations with them, uh, it, it tends to work out really, really well.
1: When a dog or a cat has been mistreated, how long does it take you to prepare that dog to not be uh, afraid or weary in any way of being adopted or, or having any contact with human beings?
2: There's really not a, a one-size-fits-all answer to that. What I will tell you is, at the SPCA of Wake County, we have a an animal behaviorist on staff. Who she also runs our community impact department. But when we when we receive animals that have any sort of behavior issue, um, she or another staff member will do a behavior assessment. They will write a behavior plan. And then that behavior plan is initiated throughout that animal stay with us. So as an example, let's say we have a a dog come in. Well, here's here's a really good example. Uh, We had a dog named Azalea who was a, um, a little brown and white dog, cute as a bug's ear, but she was deaf. And she, so she had a really, really hard time. She was super, super energetic and she had a hard time with impulse control and, um, she, she couldn't, she just, it was really hard for her to pay attention. So we wrote a behavior plan for her, um, and then sent her to a foster home where she stayed in that foster home for almost a year and a half learning her manners, um, but because we had the patience and the time to give Azalea, she eventually found the most awesome home ever and has lived happily ever after. So those every animal is an individual. They all come to us with, you know, with different histories, with different outlooks. Um, a lot of times it's it's a matter of um, developing a dog's confidence in him in him or herself and um and helping them get less become less afraid of people and we do that through positive reinforcement lots and lots of positive reinforcement
1: is dog napping a serious problem where someone uh, actually does the same thing as kidnap a dog and hold it for a reward is that a problem
2: i don't i I don't have the data. I don't have the data on that honestly. Um, I can't imagine anything more appalling than somebody kidnapping my dog. I mean, can you? Oh my gosh, nope. I would just be beside myself.
1: I, I, the reason I brought it up is I've had it happen to me and I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it during one of our breaks. Oh. Now what about uh, cruelty when someone sees someone being cruel to an animal? Is uh, the first call to you or to animal control or how do you uh, work in those cases?
2: The very first call should be to animal control. If your County has a municipal animal control department, Um, a lot of times it, the best thing is just to call your local sheriff's office.
1: I'm just, I'm just guessing that most sheriff's deputies love dogs and so I would imagine they're they're not always very <laughs> kind to people who are cruel to animals. I have uh, <laughs> a, a very little patience for anyone who's cruel to an animal or a child. I just uh, that's where my patience ends.
2: Exactly. Whatever patience
1: yes. I've got, that we try, uh, we
2: try to be very very accepting and not judgmental of people. But when it comes to um when it comes to hurting an animal, we we don't have very much patience for that.
1: Now we talked about all sorts of animals. Do you do work with horses? We do not. no yeah.
2: we do not
1: i I would imagine that is an entirely different ty- type of situation. and the, are there organizations that work in, in uh, cruelty to horses and pets?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. there there are. I think um White County Animal Services has a host of um partners that they work with when yeah. there are use cases like that.
1: So um you you've given us a lot of tips uh so uh how do you what advice do you give uh, uh parents of as far as when it's wise to bring a pet in with a young child say uh a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old I'm talking about the child being two or three years old <laughs> Well um
2: I think it depends on the household and I think it depends on the kind of uh the kind of pet and the personality of the pet Um, and again it is all about matching the household needs with the pet's needs um it for instance if someone wanted to uh if there was a a loud rambunctious family who came in to adopt and they wanted to adopt a, a a very shy tiny kitten uh that might not be a great match because it might just be too much of a, of a rambunctious household for the kitten. Um, if let's say that someone, I don't know, you know, honestly there's no hard and fast answer. No.
1: I, I I can imagine. I, I think one of the things I'm learning and talking to you is there's no, there's no set uh, question answers to any of these questions. they are just some generalities and, And uh, those are the ones that you can share with folks when they come in to see you. Our guest is Kim Jansen, and she is the President and CEO of the uh, SVCA of Wake County, which as we said, serves some 59 counties, not just Wake County. And we will be back with one final segment, and uh, we'll do that right after we
0: take time out for these messages. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others.
2: It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do.
0: It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours, at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people, a neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help?
2: Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others.
0: If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach.
3: Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council.
0: Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake?
3: No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> nah. uh You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council.
0: Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week has been Kim Jansen, and we've been talking about uh, uh, the work of the SPCA of Wake County, which, as we said, uh, serves some 59 counties, but also just humane organizations across the state in general. But you've got some kind of exciting plans that you're looking for uh, as far as future development. Tell, Tell us a little bit about that.
2: We do. In 2020, the SPCA of Wake County launched the most sweeping initiative uh, in our history since 1967. And that is we launched a capital campaign to raise the money to build North Carolina's first ever regional campus for pets and people right here in Raleigh. The idea is that with uh we're going to build a new pet resource and admission center. And this combined campus that will be in concert with our pet adoption center. um, And this campus will function as a central deployment center to take services out to rural counties um, and continue to build on the relationships that we have built with shelters around the state in order to provide resources, in order to solve the problems of pet overpopulation at its roots. In order to do that, we have to do really four things. We have to decrease the number of animals entering area shelters. We have to increase the number of live animals leaving shelters. We have to change the hearts and mind of people in our community. And we have to have the resources to to do those first three things. So this uh, is a, an enormous effort. It is a project with a $21.5 million price tag, and we have, to date, raised $17.9 million.
1: That's fantastic. So you're almost 80% there or a little bit more yes. than
2: eighty yeah. percent Yes.
1: So how long does your campaign go on? until you raise the money.
2: (laughs) That's right. Until we are done. Our plan right now is to break ground on the site work in early 2024. um, And hopefully break ground on the new facility. It's a 26,000 square foot state of the art animal housing and resource facility. Uh, Hopefully we will break ground on that in um, early fall 2024. So uh, it so is. If, so
1: if it, someone's interested in participating, I'm sure you would be delighted to get that information from them. How do they get in touch with you?
2: How they get in touch with me is uh, my email is kjanzen at spcawake.org. Jansen at spcawake.org, or they can call our main number at 919-772-2326. I yes, hope it is very, very exciting.
1: To, most people are uh, always very generous when it comes to pets, and if they are new to the area and want to, to look at uh, an organization that does great work, This is certainly one of them in the capital campaign. Of course, sounds so interesting, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Generally speaking, let's talk a little bit about the laws in North Carolina. Does North Carolina uh, are our laws concerning pets uh, uh, fairly adequate in North Carolina, or do we have some laws that you'd like to see changed?
2: They are wholly inadequate in North Carolina. Um, Our laws protecting animals in North Carolina. Pets, dogs, cats are considered livestock and um, have, they they do not have adequate protection from cruelty under North Carolina law. Also, our um, puppy mills, puppy mill laws uh, are inadequate and uh, really, really are wholly wholly inadequate in protecting pets from the travails of um puppy mills the horrors of puppy mills yeah. it's terrible
1: it would seem like uh, uh, do you have an advocacy group that goes before the general Assembly to seek changes
2: we, don't, we um we don't there are a couple of national organizations that help with that. Um, but that is certainly on our list for the future.
1: I would imagine that uh, you would find some uh, some uh, some members of the General Assembly that would be uh, interested in taking that on. I'm just guessing because uh, most members of the General Assembly probably have pets and uh, would would be maybe surprised to find out that our laws are inadequate. I'm I'm not sure how that works, but. Uh, uh, that would be something that would be uh, uh, something I would hope that uh, your organization would look into and try to get some advocacy working to change the laws because uh, pets are not like livestock. I, you they know, are not. But, uh, you know, the
2: ag lobby is strong in North Carolina.
1: Uh, so uh, what are the other uh, problems or opportunities that you see for organizations like yours uh, that uh, you would like to see happen here in North Carolina or in your particular area?
2: Well, my biggest thing is about collaboration. It is, I feel like we can do so much more by working together than we can by working in our own little silos. And so that is something that the SPCA uh, SPCA wake has worked on a lot over the last 10 years everybody has their strengths everybody has their places where um we can we can join forces and and really do some good work for animals um, i think rallying around the needs of animals in our state is it's a moral imperative and we all have we every animal welfare organization should be working together in lockstep. We might do things differently. We might not do we might not do things exactly the same way, but it is only through collaborative partnership that we can make a real difference in saving the lives of homeless pets across the country or across the state.
1: Now, I didn't ask you earlier, and I perhaps should, where are you located in Wake County so that the folks in this area that want to come, I'm talking about the Raleigh area right now, want to come and look at pets that they might want to adopt?
2: Well, if you want to see the pets uh, online, you can go to spcawake.org, or you can come visit us at our Pet Adoption Center, and that address is 200 Pet Finder Lane. Oh,
1: interesting title. <laughs> so you do you do uh, show them online. That's interesting.
2: We do. Are
1: these yes. live action or just uh, still photos?
2: It's still photos uh, and, and videos. Yeah. Yes yes
1: yeah i People, would imagine i'm just guessing that occasionally you take in a dog or a cat and you the staff becomes uh interested in that dog or pet and finds it hard to give it up
2: every darn day <laughs> <laughs> our are you i just i wish you could meet our entire staff they are absolutely incredible and they they are so the way these folks are committed to the animals in our care is truly, truly remarkable. And um and, and the volunteers too. I mean, we we would not be where we are today in our ability to save animal lives without the dedicated people who help us every single day. And uh that is the same for our awesome board of directors. And it is certainly true for the uh, generous folks in our community who support our work, have supported it for years, and I hope will continue to support it.
1: Now, I've, a lot of people join this program in progress. Uh, we want to mention and sort of repeat something you said earlier on. You are not funded by government money. This is all volunteer uh, or actually uh, donated by the uh, community. You're totally funded outside of government. Now, there are organizations within government that work in the same area in, in, in some regard that are part of government, but the SPCA is not.
2: That's correct. Yep. Yeah.
1: So what? what is your total budget?
2: It is 6.4 million.
1: And that's over 59 counties. Mm-hmm. And yes. so how many of you, I, I think you told me earlier, you had 75 staff members. How many of those are located outside of the Wake, uh, the physical Wake County area?
2: All of them are in Wake County.
1: Okay. Yep. Now, the, uh, so your range is uh, 59 counties. Geez, that, that's over half the state. That's a tremendous area. So how does someone, say, four counties over uh, interact with you uh, when they either need to uh bring you a pet for adoption uh, or look for one.
2: Our work in those uh, 59 counties is primarily through collaborative partnerships with other um, with with other shelters. Um, a lot of times they in those rural areas, especially they don't have the resources necessarily to keep up with the demand of their community. So we take animals from them, we transfer animals from those shelters so that they have room to take in more animals um, and we adopt them out here where there's a a huge, you know, a a big population pool, pool of potential adopters. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Again, uh, since uh, some people have joined us later in the program, uh, just sort of recap your top three problems or opportunities that you are looking at right now as far as the future as far as uh, with problems and opportunities
2: okay well our top three opportunities uh they all have to do with um the our upcoming regional campus for pets and people one is to keep adopting animals in um taking animals in and adopting them out and increasing those numbers secondly um keeping pets in homes through people facing programs I call that um, focusing on the other end of the leash and three making sure we have the resources to continue to grow the services that people and pets in in our community need
1: and uh, problems
2: The problems are um, trying to put a twin-size sheet on a king-size bed (laughs) in terms of resources every single day.
1: (laughs) Well, Kim, this has been delightful and very informative, and I'm so excited about uh, hearing about your plans for the capital campaign and also all the other services that you're offering. Again, the telephone number, if you would like more information, is 919-272-2326.
2: Actually, that's not quite right.
1: It that's is- right. It's 772- There you go. 772 <laughs> I could read my own writing, which is uh, sometimes is a handicap. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Or if you happen to be in one of the markets where you only hear the 30-minute version of the program, you can hear the other two segments as well. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he promises to faithfully really, that next week you'll have another interesting guest. Perhaps not quite as interesting as Kim, but
0: maybe just as much. So,
1: who knows? We'll see you next week here on Carolina Newsmakers.
0: Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com.